Do you believe in second chances? Now, if that second chance is something you need, you'd say, of course I do. I need a second chance. And sometimes we might even need a third or a fourth chance. We probably have second chances a lot of, in a lot of different areas of our life. Uh, it might be in relationships. It might be with you know, our financial planning. might be at work or at school, some project maybe. You know? We would like a second chance to make things better, to get things right. Do you need a second chance with God? And how do you get it? The good news is God, our God, is a God of second chances. And even better news is he offers those chances to us. That's what we see throughout the book of Jonah. The second chances God gives us as he calls us to come back to him. We've been going through the, the book of Jonah this month. Now let's get to chapter 3, in which we hear God specifically giving Jonah that second chance. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation that he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Second chances. The book of Jonah seems to be filled with those second chances. When God first came to Jonah and told him, go to Nineveh and preach against it, he didn't want anything to do with it. He got on a ship and headed off to Spain, hundreds of miles in the opposite direction. But the Lord intervened, sending a storm so that the sailors on that boat would throw him overboard when they found out he was the cause of the storm. But God gave Jonah a second chance. It tells us he had prepared a large fish 
to swallow Jonah, to save him from drowning. And then that fish spit Jonah out right on the shore, and God comes to Jonah again. God has a way of intervening in our lives. God has a way of redirecting us so that finally we will say what he wants us to say and go where he wants us to go. God has a way of intervening. God has a way of redirecting our life. Jonah, as I said, was headed to Spain, starting off on the right side of that map and got on a ship to head to Spain. But the Lord intervened and would turn him around so he'd follow that red line and, and head up to Nineveh. How does the Lord redirect our lives? Well, first he does it by coming to us. I think, there we go. <laughs> the word of the Lord, it says, came to Jonah a second time. God comes to us in his word. Now you see, God never took his eyes, never took his hand, never took his heart off of Jonah. He wanted Jonah. And though Jonah was rebellious and wanted to go in a different direction, God comes to him, came to him with his word. Now, I don't know exactly how that word came to Jonah. Did it come to him through another human being, through another prophet? Or was it something that God just spoke right to him and he heard the voice? Or was it just something that God had convicted him in his heart? Don't know, but it doesn't matter. Either way, the word came to Jonah and changed him. God comes to us also in his word and in his sacrament to redirect us. And when he does, he comes to call us. It's noteworthy, I think, to hear what God did. He didn't come to Jonah and say, well, I hope you've had enough water now. I hope you realize you shouldn't be running away from me. Did you like it being inside of that fish? He doesn't bring up anything about that. It's what we might say was his gracious silence. God did not rub his nose in his sin, but simply reminds him of his grace. His grace that saved him, his grace that forgives him, his grace that now redirects him and sends him off on his call. God forgives us too. And God calls us in his word. And he reminds us that we have been forgiven and gifted to carry out his work. And so we say he commissions us. He gives us a specific authoritative assignment to go out and to accomplish his will. You know, God could have simply said, enough with Jonah, let him go. But he didn't. God wanted Jonah to do that work, not some other prophet. God could have also given up on Nineveh. Boy, that was a terrible city. He could have simply said, look, they've had their chances, and they really are bad. Remember that I had said that their smell, it said, rose up into God's nostrils and was a stench. He could have said, you know, enough, I'm just going to wipe them off the face of the earth. But he didn't. Why? 
because God loves all people. And God's will is to save all people. That's why he sent his son into the world to be the savior of all, to die for the sins of all people. God has a plan to save, to use his people to declare his grace to people. That's what happened to you, you know. Somebody told you about God's love and forgiveness because you are part of God's plan. Part of that plan also is now for you to take that grace and to tell others. What will our response be? Let our response be like that of Jonah, to listen. It probably wasn't hard for Jonah now to listen to the voice of the Lord. I think the word of the Lord probably got through all the water that was still in his ear. And his, water no, and his word, no doubt, softened that hardened heart. Jonah was not going to disobey again. The Lord doesn't change his plan in regard to the salvation for people. He wants all people to be saved. He wants people to hear that word. And he has commissioned us. Are we listening to what he wants us to do? Like Jonah, follow that command. I'm sure it didn't take Jonah long to respond this time. I'm sure he wasn't thinking of some alternate way to do this. Maybe he had some seaweed yet in his pocket reminding him of what happened the last time he disobeyed. So now he goes to Nineveh, a city that's 600 miles away that would take him 25 to 30 days to get there. And it wasn't a very scenic route either. So he was probably just thinking of this one thing. What am I going to do there? What am I going to say? Because this city was a very wicked, violent, heathen, godless city. History records for us the details of how violent they were. I won't share that with you because it's really gory. But that was probably on Jonah's mind, huh? Oh boy, I have to go there. But he didn't turn away, even though it would be a tough assignment, because he knew that's what God wanted him to do. He was committed. But what about you? Do you hear God's voice in your life? Do you see him maybe redirecting your life to carry out his will? You know, it's not always, here are my plans, and therefore it's God's will. It should be, here's God's will, therefore here are my plans. Even when it comes to us as a congregation, and we're carrying out God's work, we must still follow his directing. The Apostle Paul, as we heard in our scripture readings, did that. He was sent out by the church to start doing mission work. Okay, so he gets on a boat and he goes. He didn't know that one day he would stand before the governor and present the gospel, and that governor would believe and the whole island would be converted. As he carried on his plan, he thought, well, I'll go to the Jews first. I'll meet in their synagogues because they love to hear the word of God and they're waiting for a savior and I can tell them who the savior is. But they rejected him. They stoned him and threw him out of town. So he instead turns to the Gentiles 
who with open hearts accept the word and believe. And as Paul reflects back on that and arrives back at home, he says this, On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Sometimes God makes it very obvious when he puts those opportunities right before us, here's what I want you to do, and here's where I want you to go. But it's also true that as he opens doors, sometimes he closes doors. Listen to what happened to the Apostle Paul as he goes back on his second mission journey. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Today we would call that Turkey. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So he wanted to go farther east into Asia, but God kept him from doing that. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, that's up by the Black Sea, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. And so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas, or Troy. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Looking at a map maybe helps you. <laughs> but in the top right corner, you see I have a circle over an area. That's where Paul wanted to go to preach the gospel. But God kept redirecting him. And so that red line is where he was going in the totally opposite direction of what he planned. But that's where God wanted him to work. Sometimes God opens doors. Sometimes God closes doors. But his command to us is still the same. Go. Is there a door God has opened for you? With family, with friends, at school, at work, here in our community, through our church? The question is now, are we ready to go? Will we step through that door and go where he wants us to go with ministry? So that, finally, we'll say what he wants us to say. Imagine what it must have been like for Jonah, right? Going to this big, wicked, powerful city and stepping in there with a message. You know, what would he say? Would he say, um, you know what, this is really an impressive place and you guys are really powerful and, you know, I think I have a few things I could tell you to make your life better. Or do you think maybe he'd go in and he'd say, like, um, you know, I can give you three easy steps that you can take to be more successful. Or, you know, when times get tough, let me tell you how tough people respond. Sometimes there are churches who deliver those kind of messages. That wasn't the message. God said, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. So there was no question for Jonah what he was supposed to say. And so he goes into that city obeying the word of God. He was simply there to speak God's message. And what was that message? 
he began by proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, how would that message be received, right? You're going to a powerhouse, violent, military power. You guys are going to be overthrown in 40 days. But that's what God wanted him to say. God's message, a message of law and gospel. Yeah, there was gospel in that message. In 40 days, God has given you a time of grace because God is a God of compassion. And yes, there was law, or you will be overthrown because God is clear that our sins earn not his favor, but his judgment, his damnation. Now, that may not have been a message that people wanted to hear, but it's a message that worked. Listen to the results. The Ninevites believed God. Didn't say Jonah. This wasn't about Jonah now. They believed God. In fact, that word for believed in the original Hebrew is the word from which we get our word amen, meaning it was the truth. They believed this was the truth. And so a fast was proclaimed, from, and all of them, from greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. That message works because it's God's message. It was a miracle. You know, there are a lot of interesting miracles in the book of Jonah, right? The storm that God sends so that ship is, is in a terrible storm and they have to throw Jonah overboard. A fish, a great fish that he prepared to swallow Jonah and save him from drowning. And that that fish would just throw him out back on the shore. A lot of interesting miracles. But the greatest miracles were the ones that God was doing in the hearts of people who didn't believe. The sailors on that ship, as they now turned to the Lord. The whole city of Nineveh, as they turned to God in repentance. Now some people think, oh, well, that was probably an exaggeration. How could that one prophet convert that whole city in that short time? Well, you could imagine people coming and, and hearing him and as God would work in their hearts, just like God has worked in your heart, giving them faith, and they would tell somebody else, who would tell somebody else, till finally it reached the king, and the king proclaims a fast for everyone. God's word works. That's not the only time we've heard that. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, when he preaches through one sermon, converts 3,000 people to the Lord, people who had been calling for the crucifixion of Jesus. Now trust him as their Savior. God's word works. And that's what God promised. In the book of Isaiah, he said, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word works. And so, as we, as a congregation, carry out our ministry plans, as you as parents, spouses, fellow Christians, 
Consider what you must say to others. Remember, God's word works. Oh, we know that some other religions grow faster than Christianity grows, but they don't have the truth. So how do you measure if it's working? Listen to what Jesus said as he refers to this event with Nineveh. He said, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation, these Jews who were around him rejecting him, and they will condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. Something or someone greater than Jonah? It was Jesus, the Lord himself, who came to be the Savior with his perfect life, with his death that paid the penalty for our sins, with his resurrection to show victory over death and assure us of eternal life. That's greater than Jonah, and that's what works. So let's not judge success or measure it by numbers, but by what the word does in the hearts of people, the profession of faith that is being made. And therefore, let us as a church be faithful to God's word. As we are in our church services, our Bible classes, our schools, let's proclaim the message of Jonah, law and gospel, because it's the message of God. And you, as the people of God, make sure you're holding your pastors and your teachers accountable to teaching God's word, because that's the word that works so that we will do what God wants us to do. We see what happened. The people repented. With very sincere acts, they showed outwardly what was happening inwardly. They put on sackcloth, this itchy, prickly cloth, to remind them of suffering for sin. They even made the animals wear it. And they didn't feed the animals either, so that they could see that Their sin brought suffering into the whole creation. But it was also their way of saying there is compassion from God, as the king and Jonah had proclaimed. There is a God who forgives. When the king said, who knows, God may relent and with compassion turn his fierce anger away so that we will not perish. He wasn't expressing doubt when he said, who knows? He knew. He heard about Jonah. He knew the compassion of God. He believed it was true. And that's what brought them comfort and assurance and the commitment then to change their life and obey God. So the king would tell them, stop your violent life and turn to God. And look what happened when they did. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. He relented. He didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. He didn't say, oh, that was the wrong thing to do. No, relented simply means he changed his course of action as he had promised. If you repent, I will show compassion. And that's exactly what he did. 
because he is a God who gives second chances. Do you believe in second chances? God does and uses them all the time. Do you need a second chance? We do. To repent, to believe, to obey, to serve. It's time to go back to God. No more excuses. No more delays. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said to his people. For the Lord says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. So I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Let's listen to God. Let's hear his call. Let's see his redirecting of our lives. Let's obey. Let's take his second chance. Amen.